Everybody, welcome back, Difference Maker Podcast. Hosts Matt and Chris Calderoni. It's been a bit. Uh, it's been a couple weeks since we put an episode out. We had some good stuff happening here at Malatium. Uh, excited to talk about to today, but it's been a good couple weeks to uh, to really build. Been a good couple weeks, and you got to go to the All Star Game, NBA the NBA All Star game. game. Yeah, how was Fun that experience? Good experience. Um, just a lot of good stuff that came from it. Like even so big shout out to our athlete, Larry Markinen, who's had a fantastic, not just year, but like if people really know Larry and what he's been through and what he's gone through, like from what we've seen since, you know, seeing him in, in Chicago and helping him and guiding him a little bit in Chicago there. And now to this point, it's like, you know, it's funny because I think a lot of people don't understand how much goes into this all-star game for a lot of these players. I don't think a lot of people understand what it really takes to get there. And I don't think people understand too how long some build until they eventually get there. Like the all-star game's the peak or the tip of the iceberg, if you will, right? It's like right. there's so much stuff that goes into that. There's so much stuff that goes into discovering yourself, finding out your strengths, hiring the right people, bringing the right team in. And it's just, it's a full circle moment when you get there and you see a guy like him who's been through everything he has and, you know, didn't really have his way in Chicago. I, I would argue a little bit where they didn't understand him at best. He goes to Cleveland, starts his come up and then finds his team who shout out to his agents, Mike Lilchitsky at SIG Sports, did a fantastic job at getting him in there and finding the right situation. And now he's found his, himself a place where he can really flourish and really do his thing. And it's like, you know, you look at a lot of these athletes who are essentially creators, like we talk about, they are artists in their own way. Mm -hmm. You know, it's somebody who really started to accept Lowry and, and what he's all about. And I know that, I know that it's something that's big for him. So going to that game, it was awesome. It was awesome. Like, I, I know it sounds, you know, obvious, but the NBA just does it good. They yeah. do it. They do it good. Like entertainment's top. The people there are like, it's an event. It's a spectacle. And to just be able to go there and experience that and take it in. I mean, needless to say, it felt, it felt like my own experience as much as it felt for Lowry. Right. So it's, it was good. It was a great moment to see his family was on point. Everybody was happy for him. He had a you know great time. He did his thing, got to participate in the three point, did whatever he had to do. And now he's back doing his thing for the team at a big night last night with a 43 point night himself. And it's like the motivation is obviously not going anywhere, which is great. So I'm excited to watch him and the jazz for the rest of the season, because I think there's a lot of good stuff they're going to do. I got to say, I think my favorite part of some of those pictures that you got, if you guys want to check out on, on our Instagram, some of those pictures, but you were a short King in those pictures <laughs> next to him. I always I know, feel short to you. In our family, I'm tall, <laughs> right? So it was fantastic to see those standing next to a seven foot behemoth whose parents are pretty much as tall as him. Like his mother even towered over me, and it's like crap. Like I can't even get a, can't <laughs> even get a, some kind of a win on that part. So it was good. 
Wild. But that's good. I'm glad you had a good time. Good entertainment, good, good food, I'm sure. Everything good entertainment. was great. Honestly, like even the even the the halftime, if you want to call it show, like when they had their their second quarter break, post Malone's there, all these guys like it was just it was a great time. Like it, it was a good show put on. Good. The who's who goes. It's if you can ever I'll say it like this, any ambitious person out there that really wants to like take like really just see some stuff in life go buy a couple tickets to the all-star game i know they're they're expensive Mm -hmm. but go do it it's an eye-opener it's you just you feel in the presence of people who get it at least i did and it's like you see a lot of these cool personalities that are there and it was just it was a treat to be there it was a treat to be around some of the best in the league it was cool to see everything even with lebron and his honors and kareem abdul jabbar and Malone and all those guys it's like it was a great it was just a great time it was a great time so I'm excited hopefully next year Lowry I'm positive we'll have a return on that but hopefully we get for to go for the whole weekend I didn't get to go because I was actually in Mexico for my honeymoon and then came back and had a day to break and then was off on a plane the next morning at 5 a.m for the game so at least I got to see the game that was nice and um, definitely a lot more to come so I'm excited super excited but going into that we've got a good topic for today We really, you know, Chris and I were discussing it a lot too. And we were saying this whole thing behind high performance and the way that they are and the way that, you know, high performers do things and so on. It's a fast moving world, right? Like you're constantly being asked if you're in the business world to complete some kind of a project. And then in the athletic space, you've got a game the next day and then you have a day off and then probably another game the next day, or you got training every single day. Like it is a world where it's you have to fight to slow down. Oh, 100%. Even even students, right? Like even, students. even stuff that's going on now, everything can be done at home. Mm-hmm. You're never really having time to like well work invades your bedroom, right? Yeah. So it's like with a topic like this on on slowing down, anything is really high performance now, yeah. especially in this part of the world like there is no slow Mm -hmm. when is there slow when you're retired and i also that's a great point and i think too with that there's this big like there's this big stigma behind move fast high performance move fast they move fast move fast and it's like yeah all right but let's look at some of the top performers in the world okay so i'm talking like guys like a jay-z i'm talking guys like uh steve jobs was a tim cook a Jeff Bezos. You want to look at athletes. Look at let's look at LeBron James. Let's look at guys like that. It's like these are not people of haste, right? They are not. They're people of risk. They take risks, no questions asked. Mm-hmm. But to arrive at that risk, to really become one of the best at what they do, if you really read about these individuals, they're extremely reflective people. They're people that take their time. They look at things the right way. They see it from, from from 10 different angles around them. And then they make a decision based on that to say, this is what I'm going to do. And they stick with that choice. And th- I think Go that's ahead. the hardest thing, sticking with that choice. Like, um, it's we've said this countless times on our podcast. I think you said it in the last episode that we we were on. And it was something along the lines of, you can't look at where the guy is now. You have to mm-hmm. look at where they were at your age, like yeah. in that time space, right? And then there's also that aspect of like, it's not next day delivery. Mm-hmm. Like that's what those guys do. And I saw someone talking about it on, it was some... Uh, it was a YouTube video, but they were talking about how you can't look at 
guys like LeBron James and stuff like that. This it's it's an interesting thought, but you can't look at them because his point was they are not like everybody else. No. And I think in in the sense of like yes, natural talent, skill, all that for sure, but you can easily piss that away mm-hmm. if you're not consistent with your work ethic. Like there was also another guy that he was talking about. I again, I forget what the video was. Sure. But he was also saying it's better to look at this one guy who just grinded through high school, who wasn't necessarily the most talented, but he grinded to work there, and that's a better role model than than someone else. I think what we can do, instead of looking at the natural talent side, is look at the work that goes behind maintaining and earning that respect for that individual. Like, the practice and the work and all the hours that go into it, I think that's what we can take away, mm-hmm. as opposed to the natural talent, the gifted talent, or even the stuff that people are like born into sometimes. Cause that's, that's a thing, right? People are born into it and all that stuff, but it's like, what's that work to maintain it? You know? So here's, that's a great point. Cause the born in twos we're looking at, like so I'm assuming you're talking about like the kids of a LeBron James, the kids of a person with a multi-billion dollar conglomerate, like that yeah. stuff. Right. And, okay. and there's some that come out in, in that sense. And it's like, yeah, some, like I said, you can, piss away great talent and stuff that you're born with. You really can't if you don't know how to maintain it. And I think that's where we got to look to if you're going to be that role model and stuff like that, right? So here's a funny part. I actually, I'll challenge you on one thing. You said born with talent. Do you think it's a born thing or a built thing? I think it's, I think it's born into an environment where you have the example of, of what it means to be like great. You know what I mean? Okay. And, and sometimes you don't like people just grow up and, and are in that environment, even if they're not, you know, overly successful parents or anything like that, but they have those examples that they can look at. Okay. Here's what I'll say to that. I, I, I think that's a great actually analogy. So you're saying that the natural talent comes from the environment of essentially I, right? what you're exposed to. Yeah. Of course. So this is great because I don't know if anybody has, I'll, I'll employ anybody listening to this podcast to like, I'll put it on you to go do it. I would love to know what LeBron James was doing between the ages of zero to seven years old, even Mm -hmm. zero to 10. Because you look at a lot of these pro athletes now, Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel Messi, Michael Jordan, uh, Kobe Bryant, all these guys who who had legacies that they've created for themselves. And came from nothing, right? Came from nothing, but there's a very... So if you look at all of them, there's a point in their childhood. So you got to remember something. Self-esteem is built usually for for females between the ages of zero to seven. Mm -hmm. And that influence you're having for males, they're finding around zero to 10. And there's conflicting arguments to say, oh, it's only zero to seven, 10, whatever. But take it for for what it is, right? Let's say zero to seven years old, just to go with it. In all of these greats, though, if you read their stories, like truly read their stories, there is something happening to to your point between that zero to seven years old, where their environment or whatever... They are in an environment of constant repetition, right? So let's look at this for a second. So Lionel Messi, if you go read his, uh, his biography and his book that was written about him, his mother tells stories about how he used to play in the streets of Argentina and try to beat his brother from the ages of four years old onwards. Mm-hmm. And he was losing consistently from four years old plus, and he could never beat his older brother. Right. And it's like, so now we look at a Messi and say, well, that kid was naturally talented. When really that kid was putting, like they were saying sometimes up to eight hours a day, he was staying on the street and working on his skills. Right. But again, zero to seven years old. 
let's look at Michael Jordan. Born into a family, to your credit, that environment. Has older brothers, older siblings. Always competing with them. And it's like, wow, Michael was born with this competitive edge. It's like, or was it developed through that environment? There are multiple, countless stories about how he used to compete with his brothers. So maybe in that sense, maybe it's not the fact that it has to be the the most competition, but maybe it's some sort of competition to then light that spark. Like not the highest level. Well, not even like. Mean? Well, I'll even argue that. I think it's a it's an environment of consistent repetition you're in, right? Mm-hmm. So like Messi, consistently, even though he's losing, consistent repetition with his brother. Michael Jordan, consistent repetition with his brother. Cristiano Ronaldo, right? Cristiano Ronaldo is like the king, horse, goat of, of or the goat, sorry, of work ethic, not horse, <laughs> but the goat, the goat of work ethic, right? A guy that used to work that they would talk about as a kid and still does so into his late 30s as he's playing the sport. Kobe Bryant grew up watching his father play basketball. Never really, he even said it. He goes, I wasn't good at basketball when I was younger. I wasn't great until I started peaking in my teenage years. And he's like, there was one summer, I think he tells a story at 12 years old or 11 years old, he didn't get one point in his entire summer season. Hmm. And it's like, you look at a kid like Kobe who was moving with his father going to Italy when his father was playing basketball and all that. But you look at that and it's like, there's another example of a guy who's born into an environment, like you're saying, of not the best of the best, but of an environment where you have to work to figure it out in some way. Yeah. And that really seemed, it's funny to go with this because we'll get back into the topic of slowing down, but this whole side on talent and born natural talent, like with the exception of genetics and height and, and stuff like that, I really do believe, like I, you can call me naive or whatever you want, but I believe there's so many people that can become like a Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, whatever they want. See, but that's where, that's where I think it comes back to what we're talking about and the high performance slowing down. That's where it's like, Again, regardless of if you were born into it or not, like we were talking about, that is that is years of of commitment and consistency. Not not even performing at your best, but like preparing at well, your best. And there's all this stuff too on genetics. Like so everybody talks about it, talks about it, talks about it. One of the shortest players in the history of pro basketball in the NBA who wins the slam dunk contest, Spud Webb, right? 1986 about five, five foot seven winning the dunk contest. Like that even there goes to show like, okay, is it like, but, but a guy like Spud figured it out. So is it the fact that we always talk about some people don't have that resilience and that ability to find a way or make one to do it. But it's again with this talent thing, like I always hear people say, oh, it's un, unrealistic to think like a LeBron. It's like, okay, fair. Like there are, I'm not going to question that there are some advantages he has when it comes to genetics, not even close. But I will argue too that a Spud Webb at five seven winning the NBA dunk contest, hmm. and it's a different who's, animal. Who's the Italian goalie? Uh, Dino's off. Dino's off. Dino's off. He ate uh, none of his eggs, and eight that's eggs what made day. him uh, <laughs> eight eggs a day. Jump. It, so, like, look at him. His height, you know, pulling it up here, one hundred and eighty two meters. So let's see what that is. Hundred or sorry, one point eight two meters. One point eight two meters uh, in feet is only five nine. Oh, my height then. Yeah, okay. and he and this man was able to jump. <laughs> but but like let's look at when Dino Zoff made it. I think Dino Zoff uh went pro at not till later in his career. Like I'm pretty sure he was working as a mechanic up until a certain age or something like that. And like Dino Dino Zoff came in late. 
Oh yeah. He wasn't young. Yeah. But it's like, that's what we're talking about again. This persistence, right? Right. This resilience to just find a way, find a way, find a way. Then he gets into a, a lower level team. Then a higher team like Juventus sees him, he gets bought out. Then he becomes one of the one of the top Italian goalkeepers ever. I mean, I'm not arguing that LeBron James has superior genetics. I'm not arguing that. What I am arguing though is this thing behind natural talent. I think a lot of people say, "We're you know, I'm born with a gift," and I totally I believe in people being born with fantastic things. I do believe though, what you take an interest in as a child early on is what ends up ultimately becoming your quote unquote natural talent. Right. Right. Like. When I was young, even doing the job that I do, I loved playing Monopoly as a kid. Fair. I loved playing soccer as a kid. I loved playing this game with my cousins called Spin, Spend, Sell from the age of like 10 years old when they first started bringing it over as a kid. And it's like, I worked my face off loving the sport of soccer and had a quote unquote talent at that. Now I have a talent at running a business, quote unquote. Now I have a talent at talking to people, quote unquote. And it's like, it wasn't though. Like I really look at it. I was one of the most conversational people in our family at a young age. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair to say. Right. But it's, it kind of comes back to that point. Chris was mentioning this whole thing behind environment. I think that's actually a very interesting key to look at. Is this part of like a competitive developmental focused environment at a young age? Yeah. I think there's a lot to be looked into with that. And there probably is. I just haven't seen recent studies on it, if you want to call it that. But like, that's a very interesting topic, I think, to be discussed in, in, in depth in another time. Well, and coming back to this, I don't think it's overstimulation. I think it's no. competitive environment at some points. And then also, you know, backing off. Mm-hmm. Like, like again, a young Leo Messi was, okay, for sure he was out there eight hours a day. I'm sure, you know, it wasn't all soccer all the time, all football all the time. It was... Let's go mess around doing yeah. something else. Figure it out. As well, right? And you know what? This is what I actually wanted to talk about too with overstimulation. So Chris and I have an athlete that we work with um, within our company. And he's a player that he's really eager to learn. And please understand by me saying this, I'm not taking away anybody to go learn. I'm fully employing it. Mm-hmm. Like I think learning and development is the key to riches in life. However, here's the problem I've noticed. When it comes to overstimulation, there's this stupid thing called social media. The algorithm. Right? And it's like, you look at this all, and the problem I see with high performers is there are so many people bombarding them with BS. Right? Try this. Now wear the ring. Now wear the wristband. Now watch your sleep. I was actually reading a great article on this recovery person, an athlete we used to work with, who used to get anxiety because they were getting 78 six, eight hours of sleep a night instead of the eight recommended. And it's like, that's what I'm talking about with overstimulation. Now, without the wristband and all that stuff, would they feel good? Probably. Probably wouldn't even know. But you look at this and the problem I'm seeing with a lot of high-performing individuals, they're taking advice from just anything and anyone. Well, did you, there was another thing um, came out. So the Apple Watch, and there was a bunch of other ones, uh, same like a bunch of bunch of ones in there, but the estimation they were overestimating. I think the number was by forty six percent how many calories you were actually burning in a workout. There you go. So for anyone that was really going hard with the Apple Watch and or just calorie counting in general, mm-hmm. apparent apparently it was overestimating how many calories you were burning by 46 percent and i know some of those guys that go hard with the with the sleep and all that stuff and and 
like it's fine, but like in your face all the time. Cause then what to me, that gives you an excuse of, you know, I had a bad game because something said I, I wasn't this. And you're already going into a performance without even having kicked a ball, touched the ice, doing anything, thinking I'm already behind when it's like, okay, so you wake up a little tired. I've, I've woken up tired on game days. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a, been a lot of people that I'm have woken up tired, tired on game days. But, like, figure it out. Yep. You're you're there to figure it out. I was going to say, I think where this... I just wrote this down. I think where this gets dangerous... So I'm a big I'm a big proponent of tech. I love... I think tech is great. I think tech is great, though, as a tool to help. I think once tech gets to a point that it's trying to create perfection, which is what these things like, let's be real for a sec. That's what this stuff is trying to do. Yeah. It's not, it's, I know everybody preaches it as a tool. Like let's talk straight for a second. Everybody preaches these wearables as something that helps me. Really what these wearables are doing is aiming for perfection. If there is one thing I have learned from working with the individuals we have, from a Lowry Markinen who took three years, from a team that wrote him off almost at 23 years old, mm-hmm. to an NBA all-star, that word perfection doesn't even come close to his vocabulary. Well, perfection with imperfect devices. Yep. And because like that's hard to... But this is where it's dangerous, man. Uh. This is where it's dangerous. This is the shit that I hate when it comes to it because it's like... I look at this and this is really what gets me heated. It's making excuses based on an imperfect uh, device like you're saying. And it's giving excuses to people based on that. It's like, but isn't there a range for sleep instead of a specific number? Or even even with it, it's like, there are so many environmental factors that have to get taken in. And now, like with all these things coming into the sports world and stuff like that, on a hockey team, how many players on a hockey team? 20? In a uh, lineup? Yeah, 23. Well, in a lineup, not... Well, 23 usually on a roster. Okay, 23 on Ish. a roster. And yeah. you got 23 guys thinking of all that stuff. And some you're going to have some guys that are feeling great, some guys that are not feeling great on any given day. And it's like just an added thing that goes into it. Well, even with that, man, and it's like... And even changes from period to period. Yeah, period to period. And on top of that, too, it's like... That's what we're talking about with overstimulation mm. because then you see, see, this is the funny part too, where social media becomes a little dangerous for this. And I'm not, I'm not shitting on social. Like it's good. It's, it is what it is. Right. Mm-hmm. But then you've got the experts who use these devices, who have their own opinions, who go and promote subjective advice based on what they're doing with these things and bringing it back to the mental side that we have to deal with a lot when it comes to this stuff is like, now mix this in with 20 to 23 players who are getting thousands of people, or well, let's say what they realistically look at, probably 10 to 20 people's different perspectives subjectively on this stuff. On social media? Yeah. Okay. And now they're overstimulating with like, should I do this? Should I do that? Like we get it down with athletes that are like, hey man, um, I'm doing the visualiz- visualization that we just started, but I just saw there's a way to do it this way, this way. This. It's like, shut out 90 days. Just shut out the noise. Shut out the noise. We even, Chris and I even had, and maybe he's tuning in, but we had an athlete that we completely shut off from social. And it's like, why? It's like overstimulation, man. You want to, you want to see, this is what I, what kills me about this. You look at artists, right? Real, uh, like musicians and artists of, and painters and all this stuff. They grasp inspiration 
and then go to work. Writers as well. Writers as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. They grasp inspiration. They note it down and they go to work. What are they not doing though? Obsessing over these numbers and, and things on social media and so on and so forth. They're not doing that. And the way, the reason we're saying like slow down as high performers, overstimulation is a big issue. If you're somebody who's trying to get something done and really going after a goal, I'll never forget this. A, a billionaire friend that Chris and I have, he said to me, I said, so how do you run these businesses? Like, are you must be constantly learning. He goes, Matt, I read, I have uh, seven books that have got me to where I am in the business world. Completely got me to where I am in the business world. He goes, I've stuck to those now for close to 20 years and I focus on those. He goes, the only quote unquote stuff I'm reading are news articles throughout the day to see what kind of opportunities I have in the world to help it and better it and solve problems. And that's how this guy starts businesses. And he goes, and I read philosophy from philosophers. He goes, I'm not picking up the newest book on social media or whatever. He goes, I have a team for that. I don't need to concern myself with that. I am good at what I do as a CEO and a, and a founder of companies and a board member and so on because I know what I need to know. And I would highly suggest athletes take on this type of mentality as well, where it's, these are the things that matter. This is my team. I'm going to put them to work and let them do it. Because the moment that it becomes something where the athlete and the high performer is looking at all these things, they can't slow down. They can't. Now on another side, because this is a point that we wanted to talk on too. If you are an athlete who is not working with some kind of self-reflective, self-aware mechanism, you need to start immediately. Because this is where you're going to gain a lot of your own personal insights. Like you don't need somebody to tell you all the time. It's, a, it's good to have a coach that you can reflect with or a parent that can help you reflect and so on. But when you reflect, you need to rip those insights out, man. And you need to put them into play. Like the quickest way... The quickest way to getting to the top I found is to test these different things continuously and learn quicker than you do succeed, hmm. right? So it's like you try a new thing in performance. Maybe this is a part of my game. You realize it doesn't work for you. Boom, you try another way. But getting to the point of that, the quickness to get to the point of um, this doesn't work for me is really where the key lies I found. Yeah, because then you can cancel it out. Cancel right? it out. You move forwards. You find another way. You, you build another skill. But the problem is, is like people are so, so they move so fast, man, high performers that they don't take a second to look at it and be like, if I just shift this slightly, that can actually work. And that's what you have to realize as a high performer. It's not these massive gaps you're closing. It's inches. And I think bringing it back to the social media side, because that's what consumes our lives yep. now. I think that's where social media like... Because everything we see online, even the stuff that we're going to put out there, they're clips of a long conversation. Yes. And it takes a long time sometimes to get to that one little five second, 10 second moment, right? All this stuff that you see on social media, it then seems like it's, if I do this, I'm good. Mm -hmm. If I do this, I'm good. If I do this, I'm good. And it feels like, okay, this is my answer. I apply it and it's done. When in reality... It's not how that it works. answer might be two, three weeks long. Yeah. You know? Employing the skills. Yeah. So it's like you see all these quick fixes, but it's just perceived as quick fixes because these clips that you do see, it's 30 seconds long. Well, and let's go to the other side too, though, with this, which is with, and it kind of, it actually mixes the first point too of overstimulation. Let's look at the parent who doesn't take the time to reflect, right? Yeah. So, 
lot of times we see uh, players or athletes who go get injured. They go and find, quote unquote, the best X amount of people in the area to do this kind of rehab work and blah, 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 blah. And they bring in all of these experts. And now there's seven different people with seven different viewpoints, with seven different ways of helping the athlete return from injury. It's funny, man. Like, so major shout out to our one guy, DJ Reed. I will never forget when that guy tore his pec uh, coming into the 2020-2021 season of the NFL. Okay? Tore his pec. He did a fantastic job. Actually, and shout out to his agent, AJ, at Vayner Sports. They did a fantastic job with him of saying who's going to lead this, this rehab, and exactly what has to be done on this team. Found the team, found the three-ish people that had to do it, and everybody reported to that one guy who was in charge of getting him back to where he needed to be within so many weeks. I love that. Like that right there to me, that is ex- that could be this entire podcast. That is the key to slowing down. Mm-hmm. There were weekly meetings. Talk about what has to get done. Measure progress. Go to the next week. Boom. Slowed it down. Versus what the majority do. They bring in a bunch of experts. Everybody's working on their own page. And no proper solid rehab happens as a result. This is what we're talking about when high performers need to slow down because it's not just with rehab. Take that exact scenario and apply it now to the in-season part. Let's say you're on a team. You got an assistant coach giving you this info, a head coach giving you that info, a parent giving you that info, a spectator news giving you that info, the media giving you this info. Then you as a player forget about everything that you need to do. You are the absolute captain of your friggin' fate man when it comes to this and you need to take control of that if you're going to be somebody who reaches high levels at the at the sport that they're playing in or the business they're in you need to take friggin' ownership and control of this man because what i see is a lot of times with these with with high performers they sometimes want to just pass everything off instead of really taking the time to say this is where i want to go by this time can you help me get there Mm -hmm. it's black or white yeah it's just getting clear uh, clarity, right? It is. Like, what's, what is step two here? That's all. Yeah. And that's why, to, to Chris's point, like, gaining clarity is why we're employing athletes to slow down. Mm-hmm. Do it. Slow Be- down, man. Because this is where you can gain clarity. Yeah. Like, this is where you can look at, you know, review the week. What went well? What didn't go well? Am I prepared going into, you know, game day? Whatever the case may be. Slowing down. Does key. does a lot for you, and and again, not just for athletes, but yeah, business, students, anything. parents, even anything, anything. Man. Like why did why was your kid yelling at you in in kindergarten, not wanting to go to school? Literally, <laughs> is there a way that you can you know figure that out a little bit? Well, and that's the thing too, right? Like if you think right now, anybody who's tuning in to any time you've been underperforming, I can guarantee you it's always come back to a place of clarity. Oh, for sure. Can guarantee it. You lacked clarity. Probably didn't feel as good as you wanted to feel. And as a result of that, you underperformed. You got confused. That's what happens. Like, I can't tell you how many calls we get between games of athletes who don't perform the way they want to one game. And then they jump to the next one. I can't tell you how many of these individuals on a 10-minute phone call, not even five minutes. It's like, did you do this, 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 this? Yeah, I did. Okay, slow down. What's the one thing you think can get better? Really think about it. And they'll spit something out at you at first. And it's like, okay, show me how that's going to help. And then they go and reflect on that. And it's like, oh, actually, you know what? It's actually not that. It's this. And it's like, that's where the insight lies. But it's hard. Like, like to Chris's point. So we say it like this here at Molotium. After every performance, 
every performance, doesn't matter what you're doing in life, you should be having some kind of a reflection period. Everything. Investigate. Investigate. You had a business presentation, ask yourself, why did it work? Why did it not? Okay. Find your reasons. Move on. A performance in sports. Why did it work? Why did it not? Even practices. Like we, I, I say this all the time, but daily reflection is key. Right. And it might, it, I'm not asking you to write a dear diary journal of 10 pages long. I'm saying like one or two bullet points. Like think of that question I just asked. Was it a good performance? Yes. Why was it? Well, I really made sure to use my speed today. I got to keep doing that. Boom. Two bullet points. Go do it. Do it again. Do it tomorrow or on the business side. It was a great performance today. Why? I gave a great presentation. Why? Because I really put my energy onto the audience and I found I need to keep doing that. That's a real insight for me. Yeah. And you know what? To go again to, to the audience, to everybody that we're talking to, if you don't want to go so hardcore with this because maybe you're not at that point, that's fine. You don't have to reflect every single day. You know, this could help out with just general relationships once every two weeks. Why was that a really terrible week with my boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever? Yep. You know, and because like a lot of us, when we don't take the time to slow down, we just try to roll through situations. Yeah, we do. Where it's like you're making the same mistake over and over and over again. Why don't we spend four or five days in the mud trying to figure out this new skill? Because then once it's done, think, two weeks of suffering or four to five days of hard work, you get past it. That two to two, two three weeks doesn't have to happen ever again. Well, I'll, I'll even argue, Chris, on one point. Anytime you learn a new skill or you're going through a new situation, in my opinion, you should have a higher frequency of reflection. No, that's fair. I'm just saying like if you see the same mistake happening over and over again. But like let's situation it for a second. So let's pretend you you are in a rough situation with your significant other, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. And you're going through it. As you're going through it, I would suggest a high level of reflection on on a daily basis. As things get better, wean off. No, for sure. Right, keep it to once every two weeks. It's like it's like performing in sports. It's like we do with uh, with players that constantly are you know we keep working with on a year by year basis. It's like when you do your base program, it's high frequency touch points every single freaking day. Mm-hmm. As you come back and you start mastering your craft and you stay at that same level, so this is more for the pros than it is for kids coming through the ranks still because they're always changing environments. But as you're at that pro level, the touch points are there, but they're measured differently. We might not have a 30-minute sit-down call with you every single week like we do with some of our guys that are just starting. We might be more focused on a five-minute touch point every couple days. Or maybe a for some guys, it's a text message back and forth. right? But my point is with this all, the reflection has to start. Whenever you start something new, you need to be a master at slowing yourself down. And once you've got success at that level, you need to be a master at slowing yourself down to know what's bringing you success and to constantly keep innovating it. You have to. Now, that might come on a weekly basis when you're successful or a bi-weekly basis, and that's fine. I suggest weekly. But when you're just getting into something and you're going through a bit of a time, you should be reflecting daily. 100%. You should be. You should be slowing yourself down and asking yourself, what went well? How did I get better? Move forwards. What went well? How did I get better? Keep moving forwards. And it's like, if you can keep that, you will learn. Because like I said at the start of this all, you need to be better at closing that gap between what worked and what didn't than just success. Yeah. And that's what reflecting does. And that's how you perform at high levels. Otherwise, you're going to go through it like Chris is saying, blissfully, 
rolling through things, making the same mistake over and over again, and then saying to yourself in this learned helplessness mode, oh my God, I can't, whatever I try really doesn't work. Do you know how many athletes too it's been, I think I would say that we work with that I've gotten where it's like, oh Matt, I'm doing everything you're asking me to and it's not working. I had this last year with a guy who went on to get drafted in the NHL. He goes, oh, what I'm do- what we're doing is not working. I said, really? He goes, yeah. I said, okay, slow down. Let's really see this. Are you really working with intent at practice? Uh, are you really working with intent at practice? No, it can be better. Okay, what would you rate that out of 10? A six. Okay. You're doing your mental reps with intent? Uh, okay, what would you rate that? Like a five. So there's a dip, like what this does is it allows you to, to assess your intention as you're going through it. And that's important. And it's like, again, going back to this all, I'm not asking you to be a journaler because we are going to do an episode, by the way, on our YouTube channel about when athletes should journal. I'm not a big believer that everybody, every single person in this world should be journaling. I'm not. Just because it's a fad doesn't mean you need to do it. Yeah, it's not, you know, creedthoughts.org. Yeah, exactly. It's not for (laughs) anybody that likes the office. But it's like, you don't just have to do this stuff because other people are doing it. Like I see these athletes too all the time on Instagram even. Another recovery supplement. Okay. Yeah, but that's that's other things like, too. Right? It is, but it's like, my God, man. Like at a point it has to be like, these are great. This is great that you have all these supplements, left, right, center, all these reflective mechanisms. You're meditating, you're breathing, you're this, you're that, you're a guru. You're it's like slow down. What are the one to five things that bring you the most return? Do those. And if you want to add on to those after because you feel like it, Godspeed, brother or sister. <laughs> But just find the friggin' five things that bring you to your goals the most and do them consistently. That's how easy this is. And I think those five things or three things or whatever the case may be, those things, it's what's going to earn you that respect, get you that reputation, and even help you get paid at the end of the day. Even look at us with resilience in our programs, right? It's like we build four things in athletes. Commitment. Competence, focus, toughness. We don't waver. We have specific skills in each of them. If you break our, our program down into your own DIY program, we have 12 core principles we focus on, core resilience skills that we build. We don't waver. We literally, literally with any single athlete that we work with or high performer can drop them into those 12 things and be like, what are they missing? Mm-hmm. And instantaneously, the moment we add those with them, there is an immediate change in performance. But it's like, we know our shit. We know our stuff. You're a high performer. You need to know your shit. You have to. You have to know your stuff, man. If you don't know what's bringing you success, slow down because then you're changing things all the time. You're constantly clearing the board. And guess what? You're not, start, you're, you're not doing anything. Mm-hmm. You're just finding ways. I used to be like this as a goalkeeper, and I can speak on this. I'll never forget. As a goalkeeper, I used to be a gearhead when I played soccer, okay? When I was a, when I was playing football. I would buy a new brand of gloves every friggin' half year. I started with Puma, then Adidas, then Nike, then Reebok, then New Balance, then back to this, then Under Armour when a goalie coach gave it to me, then some off-brand, then this, then that. And it's like, man, how do you find consistency in that? And I didn't. Instead of finding what worked for me and just keeping them, then I remember at the tail end of my career, I used to, at at the start of my career, I used to buy Puma because I loved 
a, a goalkeeper who wore Puma. Yeah. Right? As I ended my career, I was like, shit, it's Adidas that works. And guess what? I finished playing within two months. It's too late. <laughs> but my point is, is like, figure your shit out, man. Like, if, you, if you're an athlete going through it right now and you're having a really tough time finding out what your problem is, I'm, I'm saying try this exercise, okay? Go back to a time that you were doing really well. Write down the things you were doing in performance. There's one to three things that you were doing really, really well. There's a maximum of three. There's usually going to be three. If you're some kind of whiz and there's one thing, by all means. But there's three things that you do well. Do not go past three. Make them the three things that you are doing really well that allowed you to be successful. Okay? Then go write down the ways you were working. Maximum five things you were doing. Were you visualizing? Were you meditating? Were you journaling? Were you working on a specific skill? What five things were you doing max? You can't go over it. You got to cut out the other crap. Maximum what you were doing. Okay. Once you find those five things and you have those three things, here's the magic. Go do those five things throughout the week. And in performances, go do those three things. That's it. Mm -hmm. There's nothing... Like that, that's literally what we do with guys that are going through or gals that are going through hard times. And if you, if you all listening notice, it's very straightforward. It's not complex. We're not getting into, you know, any crazy things that have happened to you in the past. It's simple and it's effective. Yeah. And it's something that you can do yourself. Sometimes all you need is just some clarity on what to do. And the clarity on what to do, that action, doesn't have to be some grand, massive thing. Oftentimes, it's just simple stuff. Like, we're not here to complicate things. No. And think of it, too. Like, if you're just starting, let's say, in a new, on a, on a new um, process of getting what you want or you're starting a new target or a goal, like, a lot of people know what they want, but then they freak out on how to get it. It's like, just find out what your next move is. Yeah. Right? If it's like, so if you're starting a new business, okay. Do you have a product created? Yep. Great. Do you have a way to market it? Nope. Okay. Solve that. Done. You went on to a new team. Okay. Are you playing as much as you want? No. Okay. Let's solve for that. Do you know what your role is? Not really. Okay. Go find that out before you do anything else. Mm -hmm. What's my role on this team? Once you find out your role, next question becomes, how do I get better at that? What skills go into me doing this role successful? You don't need to have, I think this is where people too, because I hear a lot of this crap about like, oh, it's not about clarity. You don't always have to be clear. You just need a vision and a why and don't worry about the how. People are scared about this how. It's like, yeah, you should be scared about the how if you're trying to call out what your next 20 million different moves are. Yeah. But like, you don't have to think further ahead than like, what's my next step? You already know where you want to go. If yeah. you have that vision, you already know what yeah. the end goal is. It's just, okay. Find the next step. What's the next step to get there? Look yeah. at even how we built this business, right? Like guys, we started building a company that's, that, that's focused on coaching. And, and just by the way, going through it, that's how every company has, yes. has been built from ground up. This is how it how it goes right and it's like okay chris and i were asking ourselves how do we how do we work with bigger and better people make sure our programs are really good okay then we asked how do we work with more bigger and better people it's like well do we have a good way of marketing yeah so we started the social media thing then it's like okay how do we make sure that our brand becomes now one of the more 
impactful ones in the environment. It's like, do you have a really good brand strategy? Oh no, we don't, but that's all we keep doing. That's all we do with our athletes. And then it's like, well, how did they get to the all-star game? It's like, well, we kept asking the question, what's next? What do we got to do next? Yeah. Who do we need to talk to? Who's, who's that person that's going to be able to, to give us that next step? Right? Absolutely. That's all you need to do. Like, like Chris said, it's really success is not hard. Sorry. Success is not complicated. It's simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. You shouldn't want it to be easy. But if you have a simple process to get there, you're going to be fine. And that's why with this, to wrap up this topic today, like the key to high performance is slowing down guys. That's it. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't try and get into this fad, that fad, this fad. And we're not shitting on people who are, you know, using supplements or whatever. We're not talking about that. What are, what we're saying is find those core things and slow down. When you're going through it, it doesn't mean adding another layer. Going through it means usually reducing some stuff. That's what it means. New perspective, new viewpoint. Doesn't mean starting over. And it doesn't, it also doesn't mean that you should never try something. It's just, if you're going to do it, go do it for a month. Yeah. Like try it full on. If you have a full list of all the stuff that you want to try to do, put it down, cross them off one month, month at a time, but like give it the opportunity to actually succeed. Yeah. And the the one thing I will say to that too, though, like on Chris's point, just make sure to, I'll use the house analogy. Make sure your house is built before you start adding things onto it. Yeah. Right. Meaning make sure you know those three things you do really well in performance and those five things that you need to work on to make yourself feel good walking into games or whatever it is. Right. Or performances or, you know, uh, pitches or whatever you want to call it, but find out that that's your house. Once you've built that, then you can add on, okay, I want to try this now. And like Chris is saying, go on those 30 things. doesn't mean you go completely go and break your house, destroy your house. It means you add one layer if you want, and you do it again. Think of LeBron James. I'm going to go back to him. LeBron James comes back every single year, the same kind of player, more consistently. It's not like he's adding millions of inches on his vertical. It's not like his game is changing. He might get a little sharper with a certain kind of shot, but he's still depending on those on those consistencies. Like yeah. study any great Tom Brady. It's not like Tom Brady came back in it from an offseason running 100 meters at a s- different pace now. Like he didn't come back with explosive speed. If you go watch his, his combine videos, it's actually kind of funny, right? But it's like, Tom Brady came back sharper with throwing a ball. And I think what people have to realize too, the better you get, like after each season, yeah. the more opinions are going to be thrown your way on what you need to do. So taking that time to slow down. And I'll be honest, the first hurdle, if if you are unknown yet in your sport, your business, whatever the case may be, the first hurdle of who you're going to get the most opinions from is going to be your parent. So slowing down also helps relieve some of that uh, post-game interviews that you have mm-hmm. with your parent. So like that helps as well. Yes. And the okay. other thing I'll say on Chris's point, if you are an athlete too or somebody coming through it, you got to realize something. It's consistency behind skills that actually get you recognized. 100%. Think like this is all, I was saying this, every athlete should read books on branding. You know that? Because becoming a, like trying to get to a pro level or whatever, any great, any person that wants to do something great, read a book on branding. Not because I'm saying you need to go build this brand, but my point is 
becoming great at something is the same process behind branding. In the moment, you usually don't notice a bunch of these small things like changing the messaging behind your branding, the colors, the images, the consistency. You notice it when you're getting invited to all-star games. You need to have the same approach that brands do, right? Consistency behind messaging, or in this case, your skills, and doing it day after day after day. And eventually people are like, wow, Chris scores a lot. We can bring him to the next level. Wow, Matt... Matt's really consistent with saving the ball. That's literally how I got to the pro level. Like I just became really consistent at saving the ball. So it's not to dumb things down or anything like that. But our point is it's a very straightforward process. You just got to go through it. So let's wrap this up because we've been talking a lot. Um, any final closing thoughts you want to leave everybody with? Uh, no, other than find this simple a solution and get ready to work on that action. Yeah. And That's there's all. so many gems in this. We're going to try and cut it up to like we do in our social to put it out there. So you get the main points, but to Chris's point, this is a long combo. There's a reason these are long combos because it constantly, it teaches you, right? Take it for what it is. Don't cheat the process. So before we wrap it up, please like subscribe. Uh, if you're tuning in on YouTube, click the notification bell, download the podcast anywhere that you're tuning in from. More downloads, the better for us. It helps us get the message across, makes us more popular, allows us to impact more people. And on top of that, it allows us to bring you more free content. If you want to work with one of our coaches, we'll have the links down below. You can apply to work with us one-on-one. Or if you want to do it yourself, there's also a link down below so that you can work with our Mala Team Pocket Coach. And if you're like, hey, I'm actually just here for the free stuff, we get it. Then you want to subscribe to our newsletter, um, the Mala Team Insider, because there is where we're giving out free gems on resilience, how to train it, how to build it, how to apply it from business professionals to athletes. We're promoting stuff like our podcast, our YouTube show as well. And we're making sure to help a lot of people. So without further ado, thanks everybody for tuning in this week and we'll see you all in the next one. Stay resilient.